Right. What's up, young adults? Good to see you guys this evening. Hope you guys had an awesome 4th of July. Who shot fireworks? Raise your hand if you shot fireworks. Did you light anything on fire? Anybody light anything on fire, like explode anything crazy that they shouldn't have? Anybody go to jail? Anybody? Jack went to jail. Okay, that's good. Okay, awesome. Welcome to Young Adults, guys. Um, So glad that you guys are here. Man, how was last week? How was last week, that worship night that we had? You guys are here. Was that good? Was that awesome? We'll try to do that more often. Um, If you weren't here, we just had really a dedicated time where we just paused and just worshiped God all night. And it was awesome. It was really good. It was good for my soul. And I hope it was good for yours, too. Um, So, yeah, very cool, very cool. Um, We've been in this series on Ephesians, right? Kind of a deep dive of a a, a basic crash course in Christianity. Um, I love how Paul, nothing that he says is basic, right? So he's he's really talking to the Ephesians about, first off, the first half of the book, chapters 1, 2, and 3. He's talking about what they should believe, okay? And then now we're jumping into the second half. Um, We're going to be in chapter 5 tonight, and he's talking about how to live that out as Christians, Right, um, and I just love how he how he interacts with these guys. So, um, the last part in uh, in Ephesians that we were looking at, chapter four, um, just a quick recap to give you some context for what we're jumping into. Uh, we looked at how uh, we looked at spiritual gifts. Um, I hope you guys got a lot out of that. That was just an introduction. We're going we're gonna to circle back around to that later on and really spend some time figuring out, like, okay, how can God use my gift at my workplace, um, maybe just in my family, um, to minister, to be a part of the body. And we learned um, how God gives us that equipping grace and he empowers us to thrive in our Christian community. Um, and we learned that every part, talking about the roles, the gifts, belongs um, and has a reason for being in the body. So we have purpose because of those gifts. Um, every part needs the other parts, right? Um, none of us can really function, you know, or thrive. We might be able to function, but we won't be able to thrive as the body of Christ unless we have each other, right? We need each other as a community. And every part does something for the body. So we all, we all have something important to do. And the purposes of those gifts is to build each other up and build up the body in maturity, Okay, and that's kind of what Paul was talking about. Now, um, it's almost like now that he's talked about maturity, it's almost like he's ready to step into some heavier stuff, some, some, some deeper things. And he talks about this in other, other uh, letters where he talks about milk and meat and things like that. And, and it's almost like he's ready to go in and start talking about some deeper things here. And we're going to we're going to get into that a little bit tonight. Um, Paul tar- starts off chapter 5 by giving a list of things, behaviors to avoid. Choices, actions, things that we should avoid. And uh, if you haven't done so already, I definitely recommend going through, reading through that. We're not going to go through that tonight. We're actually going to be focusing in on verses 8 through 13 in chapter 5. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles, it's totally cool. Um, But I do encourage you to read through it. I encourage you to read through it because Paul is teaching and he's giving some real nuts and bolts kind of stuff for how we can live as Christians today. So I want to ask you guys a question. Who in here has ever been in a blackout, like a, a power outage in your house or at your work or something like that, right? Maybe you were 
um, stumbling through the dark trying to find a flashlight or calling out to your family to see if they were okay. Uh, maybe if it was nighttime, right, go outside during a, a, a power outage is really weird because all the street lights are out and everything's kind of eerily dark. Um, or even in your house, right, all the appliances, electronics are, are off and you don't hear that drone that we all like. It's like, it's like too quiet. Uh, but we all kind of, I don't know about you guys, but when I was growing up, we would all kind of gather in the living room and light candles, right? And we'd kind of kind of hang out. But what I remember as we would gather and we would light these candles and we would kind of hang out, I remember I thought how could, because these candles, right, you just light two or three of them and the whole room is lit up, right? You can see each other, you can talk, you can engage. And um, I remember thinking, how could so much light come from something so small in the midst of so much darkness? How could so much light come from something so small in the midst of so much darkness? In chapter 3, we talked about the divisions that exist in our culture, those political, those racial, those religious divisions. And um, I think, guys, I think a lot of us could probably agree that we live in a pretty dark world, right? We live in a pretty dark world. Maybe you've suffered betrayal in relationship and you've, you've felt that brokenness personally. Maybe um, you've, you've witnessed a family member go through horrific uh, um, um, disease or or injury, uh, maybe finances, right? Trying to find a job. We, we know that those are real issues today. And I, I know just from talking to you guys that many of us have gone through those things. I know I have personally. And yes, we're going to have those moments of happiness and joy. But I think these things I mentioned are reminders that we live in a dominion of darkness. We live in a dominion of darkness. At least that's what Paul says. That's what Paul says. But what does Paul say about how we should live as believers in a world in a dominion of darkness and how should we engage in it? So we're going to jump into verse 8. Um, you can turn there with me. We will have it up on the screen. He says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. I'm going to pause there really quickly. Paul talks in chapter 2 and chapter 4 about this dominion of darkness, and he's kind of building this contrast of darkness and light. And here Paul, is, he's kind of enlarging on this, this um, contrast between darkness and light and who we are and what we're living in. And uh, he doesn't say that we were once in darkness, although we know that's true. He goes so much more extreme in this statement. He says that they were darkness. Now they've been rescued from this dominion of darkness. And now, not only are they living in light, in the kingdom of light, they are light. Reminds me of Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus' own words. You are the light of the world. This word light in the Greek, phos, is part of where we get our word photo from. And it kind of just made me think that, you know, um, Maybe Paul is saying that we should be a reflection, a picture of the light originating from Christ to the world. And I was thinking about Polaroids, right? You guys, you guys remember those, right? You have the snap and the little picture comes out. When it comes out, it's not developed yet and it's blurry, right? It's blurry and you shake it, right? Um, but as it develops, 
it becomes a more perfect picture of what was originally taken. I think that's so much, so, so close to like what we go through as Christians, as we grow, as we develop. We are that better, more perfect picture of who Christ is. And Paul says that's, how, that's who we are. It's not just what we're in. We're not just a part of the family of God. We are in the kingdom of light. We are light. We are this phos. Verse 9. It's a parenthetical insert that Paul gave us. He's kind of explaining or elaborating on what he's talking about. He says, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. This is how people know that they're a part of the light, right? We can look at this part of our life and we could say, okay, are these fruit evident in my life? And we're talking about goodness, uh, moral excellence. I was talking with someone earlier about uh, being morally good and where where is all of that grounded? How do, we, how do we know what right and wrong is? And what Paul's saying here is that the evidence of a children of the light is that goodness will be present, moral excellence. Next is righteousness. Now, in this sense, it really means justice and fairness and what, man, I want to just share with you guys tonight, I love the fact that one of the attributes of our God is that he is a God of justice. He is a God of fairness. And we see that he cares for those who are exploited. We see that he cares for those who've been hurt, who've been wronged. And in this kingdom of light, this righteousness, this justice is a real part of their lives. Truth. Now, in this sense, it goes beyond just a truth spoken. It's actually a truth lived. Okay, what Paul is talking about here is that this person who is in the kingdom of light, who is light, actually has a genuine life. Like their, their life matches what they believe. Their life matches what they say. There's consistency there. There's, there's a genuineness in their lifestyle. Verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. That's a long one, right? It's a long verse. And find out what pleases the Lord. If one belongs to the dominion of the light, they're not just concerned about what pleases God. They're not just thinking about it. They're not just trying to find out what it is. They are going to search, and they're going to search, and they're going to search. And they have this resolve that that search continues until they know what pleases God. There's this pursuit that's going on. And we typically don't pursue something that we resolve to find it unless it's important to us. There's this resolve and this commitment to commit those things to heart. Um, this verb here, find out, it's, it's used elsewhere um, to refer to uh, testing metals. Okay, and they, they, this verb would, would, would be used to refer to testing metals, and there's this discovery process by examination. So if we put these two concepts together, right, pursuing God's heart, his will, what pleases him with this idea of discovery by examination, the children of the light, the Ephesians should endeavor in all things, all situations, to continually examine the Father, to look, 
to his heart in order to ascertain his will and his pleasure. I was thinking about those bracelets. What would Jesus do, right? Those are they're kind of old, and, and um, we don't see them around a whole lot anymore. But uh, I think it's beautiful, right? Because it's that reminder, it's that attitude of in everything that I do, I want to know what God's will is. What would he do in this very situation right now? That is evidence of being in the light. Being in the light. Verse 11. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of the darkness, but rather expose them. In fact, it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. When we did the, uh, the spiritual gift assessment, raise your hand if, you, if, if you're comfortable. Raise your hand if you had exhortation in your list of gifts. All right? I know I did. Quite a few of you guys. It seemed like it was in a lot of folks. Um, Paul here is exhorting the believers He's encouraging them to a higher standard, to a righteous way of living. So, guys, take note. He is doing an awesome job of exhortation here. Um, Paul says that it's the deeds that have to be avoided, but not the people, the doers of those deeds, right? If we're following Christ to where he went himself, this is where, in the real sense, we can go into the darkness or live amongst darkness, but not be of the darkness by producing light, exposing that which is hidden in the darkness. And the interesting thing here um, about this word exposure, this word exposure, um, when it's referring to a thing or a sin or um, some kind of a deed, okay, it says that you should shine the light on it and expose it, make it visible. That's what it's talking about, right? But the interesting thing here is that if you use this this exposed, this word exposed, exposure, and you're referring to a person, it actually means that you should go and you should reprove them or you should convince them. It doesn't say that you should necessarily expose them. And I, I think how um, in a community as we're growing, you know, we're human beings, right? And, and maybe... Um, Maybe we're struggling with something and we're in a really ugly place. He's saying that we, don't, we shouldn't go necessarily and like, you know, just shine everybody's business out. And, and that we should actually approach them directly. That we should address the issue, address the darkness directly to that person. And... Uh, I mean, I can get behind that. I think Paul's a pretty wise guy, but I think that's good advice for us as we are growing this community, as we're, as we're building this thing, that we can have the kind of relationships where we can go straight to somebody and, and say, hey, can you help me understand X, Y, Z? But I love what Paul says there. What's unmistakable about all this is that we have an obligation. We have an obligation as light to dispel darkness, to uncover what's hidden in the darkness by whatever means. And I think this is a part of God's heart for justice, right? There's a lot of wickedness and and hurt and sin hidden in darkness, masquerading as different things. And we have an obligation We have an obligation. Verse 13, 
But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Paul's connecting his metaphor here to behavior and, and uh, behavior of light, excuse me, in the natural world and its function to make things visible. Therefore, as light falls upon sin, it reveals what it is. It can no longer masquerade as something that it's not. What's more is that when light shines on something, exposing it for what it is, it doesn't stay that way. It doesn't stay hidden. It transforms it into a light. It actually makes it a light. I think that's beautiful. It's kind of a, a crazy idea, a crazy concept, because that's beyond the, the actual natural order of light, right? Um, that light would actually transform something into a light is amazing. So just a few things that I want to leave you guys with as we close. I want to ask you a few questions and, and share with you a few things um, to think about this week, to, to engage with, to ponder on. Number one is, are the things that please you the things that please God's heart? Are the things that please you the same things that please God's heart? I know that this is an area, I think, of long-term growth for believers, right? It takes a long time, and we're seeking God, and we're praying that, God, you, I pray that you would transform my heart, that you would make me new, that you would make me care about the things that you care about and hurt for the things that hurt you. I think the thing that we're most in danger of with this generation is actually mistaking darkness for light. So many things as I hear, you know, listen to the news or hear the radio, um, whatever's going on in media, so many things that I count as darkness are being seen today as light in our culture. And that just doesn't happen overnight. You don't just do that and, and, and wake up and all of a sudden start calling darkness light. This is something that has happened for, for a long time as we are, are slowly desensitized to things that are happening. And, and um, Paul and Jesus um, exhort us to be aware of the times in which we live. And I think that's so important for us to know. Number two, be careful not to lose your light. Be careful not to lose your light. The idea here is that Paul is talking to Christians. Paul's letter is to the Christians. And yet he's saying, you know, uh, he's warning them against living in darkness. And he's exhorting them to live in light. So the only thing I can think of there is that it's possible as a Christian to lose your light. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about our light as Christians, our influence in the world. In John 8, 12, Jesus said, he is the light of the world. And, and here in Matthew, uh, and Paul argues that we are light also right now. thinking about, okay, so imagine with me that Jesus is the sun, S-U-N, and we're the moon. 
And the moon, the only time it doesn't reflect the sun's light is when something's in the way. The only time the moon doesn't reflect light is when something's in the way, right? So many times I feel myself struggling to, to, to something's trying to get in the way. Something's trying to get in the way. Maybe you're there this evening. Maybe uh, you're having a, a spiritual eclipse of sorts in this season where things are hard. Maybe you don't feel the light of Christ shining through you to those around you. I just want you to know you're not alone. I just want you to know that. Last thing that I want to share with you is that light transforms. Light transforms. See, Paul's talking about spiritual light. He's talking about spiritual light. And this kind of light supersedes natural order. The last statement Paul gives in this section of text, he says that as light shines, that thing becomes light also it transforms it. Just as Jesus gave his light, we are now light and can share that light with others when they become light as well. And here's what I want you to know. Never underestimate the power that you, one person, has to change the world. Never underestimate that. So many times we hear stories of one person, one relationship, one conversation, one word, one thought, one hug, change a life forever. Never underestimate the power that you have to change the world. Can you imagine a life looking back on your life and saying, how can so much light come from something so small in the midst of so much darkness? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each and every person here. God, just in the grand scheme of things in your universe, we are so small. And yet, you give us purpose, you give us meaning. Sometimes it's hard because it feels like the darkness is impenetrable. It feels like it's closing in and it's everywhere and there's, we're suffocating in the darkness. So, Father, I just pray right now uh, for each person here that, God, that you would just shine your light on each one. That your light would radiate all over our faces the warmth of you that we would be transformed from the inside out by your light made new every day developing becoming a more perfect image of you i pray that we would stand up to this challenge of living in the light. We are light. We know it. It's our, it's, it's our nature now. It's who we are. God, I pray that you would strengthen us and empower us to step into that boldly and shine that light for everyone to see around us. 
to not just be those Christians that show up here and then when we leave here, we live a totally different life, that our life would be genuine, that would be true to our convictions and our beliefs. And I believe if we do that, if we embrace it, God, that we can be a city on a hill, that we can be a difference maker here in Parker, in this community, in each other's lives.